parent with a wayward child, the couple whose marriage is in jeopardy. What do all these people need to hear? Don't give up. That's the message we find in Hebrews chapter 12 and chapter 11. We're starting a new series this Sunday called Don't Give Up. It's a series based on Hebrews chapter 11 and Hebrews chapter 12. Some of our small groups are using those, that material that goes along with this series. So uh, great content. And uh, primarily, we're just trying to focus in, especially on those who are going through some difficult times, people who are really going through some challenges. Um, you know, as a pastor, people come to me and they, uh, they, they want to have some counsel. They want to share their story. They want to talk about the difficulties uh, that are happening. Sometimes they're scheduled visits, they are, but sometimes it just happened in the in food line, you know, or coming out of the hardware store, and or they'll send me a text, hey, do you have time to talk? And so um, I, I've come to realize that in almost all of these situations that people bring to me, um, my counsel, my words oftentimes sound a lot alike between situations. I mean, there'll be some differences of application. There'll be some, some focused prayer, but the principles in Scripture in dealing with tough times in our faith are, are pretty universal and apply to every situation. Let me give you some examples of some of the situations that I find myself saying basically the same thing. It's a young couple. They've been married a few years, and they're always fighting. And they feel like the path to move forward is to just end the marriage. It's an older lady who struggled with a deep depression for many years. And she just wonders if she'll ever feel happy again. Uh, it's a marriage that's been going on for many decades. But it's basically dead, at least in their minds. And they just wonder, is there any reason to continue on? A family that has a special needs child and it just wears them out and they don't know that they'll have enough energy to get through the next week like what are the words that you give to these situations because quite honestly when i hear them inside i'm praying for wisdom and i wish i had answers but the main thing that i try to do that i think the bible would have us to do if you're in a situation like this, maybe as a parent, a coach, a teacher, a mentor, a boss of a group of people, and someone comes to you, like, they need to be reminded of these truths. Don't give up. Keep believing. I mean, there could be some great diagnosis of the situation with some profound wisdom given, but I, I'm telling you, the scriptures are pretty clear about what we say to one another when times are tough. Don't give up. Keep believing. Maybe some of the stories that I told resonate with you. Maybe too much, right? Maybe they're close to what you're going through. And, and so when you feel overwhelmed and discouraged, you need to hear encouragement. But how does that encouragement come? In what form does that encouragement come? So when I first started out in ministry, I thought it was the Mr. Rogers approach, right? Remember Mr. Mr. Rogers 
Welcome to the Neighborhood. Some of you know what I'm talking about, but trust me, there was this guy on PBS, very popular children's show, and he would put on a sweater, put on his slippers, take off his shoes, you remember that? And he'd, he'd sit down, and he was just kind and soft, and it's, you know, pastor in a comfortable sweater kind of guy, you know? I don't wear sweaters, right? I've come to the conclusion that most of the times we don't need Mr. Rogers in council. We need uh, Braveheart, right? William Wallace. We need the guy that led the Scottish Revolution that's got war paint on his face, wears a kilt, draws a sword. You better not make fun of his kilt, right? And, and, and most of the times we need, you know, to hear words from Braveheart, words that say, don't quit. You need to keep fighting. I know you're tired. Get back in the race. Don't give up. Stand firm. And so the message of hold fast and, 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 and to keep focused on Jesus, these are universal, this is a universal message that applies to every situation that people find themselves in. I mean, it's really challenging. And in this series, I want us to learn how to do that, to not give up. So... These are the lies. Sometimes we're our worst critic, right? These are the lies that come either from within ourselves, our own broken selves, or someone else. You might as well let go. Nothing's ever going to change. It's too late for you now. God doesn't care. This is what you deserve, or this is what I deserve, right? Sometimes we, we feel like God will only forgive us when we beat ourselves up this length of time, whatever that length of time is. Actually, that length of time never has an end date. It's just always replaying the guilt and the shame over and over again, thinking, like, if I beat myself up a little bit more, God will finally forgive me. That's not how it works. But a lot of times, we are our biggest critic. And so those are all lies, so we're going to drop the big red X on that, right? Those are gone. Those are untrue. Those will only destroy, and I mean destroy, your faith and eventually your life. And so, when we are sharing our difficulties with someone we hope will help encourage us, we, we often get offended if they don't, like, sympathize with us in the right way, right? We, we expect them to, like, oh, you know, it's okay, but I'm telling you, I don't think we need sympathy. I really don't. I mean, at times, it's nice to have a sympathetic person that's been there, and they can say, hey, I, me too, I've experienced that. That's, I get that. That's good. But we need courage more than comfort. Many of us need some courage more than comfort spoken into our hearts and into our souls when circumstances look bleak and the road ahead looks grim. You feel like giving up? Don't. You feel like calling a quit? Stop thinking those lies. God has more than equipped us to handle any adversity in life. One of my favorite heroes of faith here recently is the UVA basketball coach, Tony Bennett. Not to be confused with the singer in Las Vegas, if he's still alive, I don't know. But this Tony Bennett, he's a godly man. And uh, at the beginning of last year's NCAA tournament, I don't, many of you may not follow college basketball, but it's one of the sports I still enjoy watching. And UVA was number one seed, and so the first round of the NCAA tournament, they were matched up with a very low-ranked school, and they lost. And they were humiliated. 
and he was berated in the media, and I'm sure probably people within his own school had, you know, talked about uh, how disappointed they were, and, and the ridicule and the criticism, you know, I'm, I'm sure was just like heaped up on him. It certainly was in the media, and it would have been easy for him to become discouraged and given up, or to make excuses, or to somehow, you know, rationalize their loss, or whatever, but he didn't do that. You see, Tony Bennett is a Christian man, and he is trying to instill godly principles in the men that he leads. And it's more important to him to raise up godly men than to have guys go play in the NBA, because he knows most of them won't, right? And so uh, following last year's humiliating defeat, he went into the locker room. And these words that I'm about to put up on the screen is one of my favorite quotes as of late. I love what he said to his players. And here's what he said. If you learn to use adversity right, it will buy you a ticket to a place you couldn't have gone any other way. And that is so true. You know, I'm going to say that's stinking true, right? That's so stinking true, right? It is just so true. I mean, it, 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 is, it is a message we hear from Scripture that it's sometimes the only place that we can go from here to here is through the path of suffering. I know this is one of those moments where you're like, I did not want to come to church and hear that. Well, guess what? This is what we need to hear. Many times we need courage more than comfort, and this is the point of the series. Uh, so the Hebrew writer is speaking courage into our life, and we're going to look at the first three verses of chapter 12 of the book of Hebrews. Therefore... Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose hearts. This is God's Word. So His revelation for you and me today. This is why you came. All right? You're like, I I came because someone invited me. No, you came because God's speaking into your life through His Word. Now, the implication that the Hebrew writer has here in this address to these Christians is these are Jewish Christians. They're suffering a lot. Uh, they're tempted to give up on Jesus. And uh, he's, he's warning them that the persecution is coming, or some of them are right in the middle of it. And he's saying, don't you give up. You fix your eyes on Jesus. And then he gives them instructions on how to handle that. And that's what we're going to unpack in this series. And so his first instruction is this. Listen to the crowd of witnesses. Who are the crowd of witnesses? Well, that chapter begins with the word therefore, so it's linking back to the previous chapter, the previous stories. We are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. So Hebrews chapter 11, which precedes chapter 12, that's what they teach you in Bible college, that's a joke, uh, is, is what we call the hero of faith chapter. It's these stories from the Old Testament, uh, the, it's these ancient people of faith. And their stories are recorded for us. And they're reminders of how, how faith works and how God works through people who are faithful sometimes and sometimes not. 
And so uh, it's one story after another of people who faced hard and difficult times and, and, and did not give up, but continued their faith in God. And so these heroes of faith become our, our crowd of witnesses. And so we're going to begin with Abraham. So Abraham was born in Haran. So Haran is, this, is located on southern, what we would call southern Turkey today. And, and God calls him, we read in Hebrews 11:8, it was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going, right? Almost a thousand miles. All right, so uh, today I'm asking you to go a thousand miles from here, and I'm not going to tell you where you're going. Just start driving. Just get on, just get on 81, go south and get west on 40. Keep going, and I'll call you when it's time to stop. How many are you going for that? Like, okay, <laughs> Candy's done with her family, her kids, <laughs> she's business. She's like, I'm out of here. I'm with Abe, right? So most of you are not. Uh, the point is, like, he does, he's not only leaving... What all he knows, like so, for seventy years he's lived this. So some of you are in that seventy age, and you've lived one. You know, maybe you've lived here. This is where you've grown up. And God says, "Move, move. Just leave it all. Leave family, familiarity. Leave all that you know. Go where I'm asking you to go." And he does, and he goes there without knowing where the in coordinates are, and so uh, he's he, he's off the map, unknown destination. Doesn't know where he's going. Now look, here's what I love about this. This guy, he's such, the more I think about Abraham, the more I am impressed about his faith. He has no Rick Warren book, Purpose Driven Life, to read. That, that doesn't exist. He does not have a Christian Spotify playlist, have inspirational music to move him ahead. He has no stories of missionaries, right? None of that. He doesn't have like a small group, encourage, he has none of that. He hears God's command, and he obeys, and he moves forward. That is, that's just, that's just stellar faith. And I mean, the truth is, there is no risk-free life. You know, he might have considered some of the risks, but he still moved ahead. And we live in a world where people want a risk-free Christian existence, like, Hey, I'm I'm a follower of Jesus now, so I know my finances are going to get better, my relationships are going to get better, my job situation is going to, my kids are going to be healthier and brighter. They're going to have they're going to have white teeth, right? Because I'm following <laughs> Jesus, right? I'm telling you, it's not how it works. Because it, it and and it doesn't matter if you're a Christian or a non-Christian. You could be the biggest atheist or the biggest believer, and this is still true. There is no risk-free life. So here's what I'm saying: at least as Christians, we have. We have great hope because we have these stories of faithful people. Philosopher Larry Lawden, he does uh, work with a lot of businesses. And he writes that we live in a society so fear-driven that people, they, they, move, in, like, they move into this place called what he calls his term risk lock. Like grid lock, they move into risk lock. They can't make a decision because they're afraid of what the outcome might be. There is too many risks. So we're just going to stay here. We're going to try to stay in orbit in this one spot. We're going to sit in neutral. And, and he says, that's, that's, not how to, that's not how to operate a business. 
That's not how to operate life. I recently heard a podcast about the big downturn in marriages of 20-somethings. Number one reason? Why they don't want to get married. Too much risk. Too many things can go wrong. It's not going to work out. No way this marriage is going to last. I don't know who they are. I got news. <laughs> Any relationship worth having is going to involve risk, whether it's with your spouse, close friend, with God. It all involves risk. That's why we have these vows that we say at weddings, for better or for worse. If my wife would have known what she was getting into, she'd have said, no way. That's why I highly recommend you keep some things in the closet. And uh, No, I just made that up. I just made that up. Don't do that. <laughs> no. So anyway, so don't do that. So, so one, one of the challenges that we have is to remain faithful when bad things happen. And I got news. That's when the relationship skyrockets in depth. Every crisis is an opportunity for change. And the decisions we make will determine whether that's going to be a positive change or negative change. But when suffering comes, it can set us on a path. Adversity can give you a ticket to a place that you never thought you could go. Did you hear what I'm saying? I'm saying it multiple ways. And it's true. It's, it's this is gospel truth. And so the Bible says that faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see, which doesn't make any sense. If this is the first time you've ever heard this verse read, you're probably like, huh? That's the way faith works. If you know it all, if you can see it, it's no longer faith, it's a reality, right? So it just exists. But faith is based on what you hope for and what you cannot see. Some of you are in situations right now and you're like, I just want to see the end of this. I just want to know what the outcome is going to be. Can somebody tell me how this is going to play out? And I was like, okay, that's not faith. It's not faith. Faith is trusting in the Lord even though you don't know what the outcome is. And so we have to be convinced that God's got our future. We don't know the future. We can't see how it's all going to fit. How it's all going to come together, right? But we can keep moving forward because we trust our mighty God and His plan. We trust in God, not life circumstances. So many times when our circumstances change, our faith is like shaken. Our belief in God is shaken, but that's not how it works. There's an Olympic event called the Super G where teams of skiers go down a mountain that they can't ski down. They can't practice on it. They can walk it, they can look at it, but they can't ski down it. The first time you ski down it is when you're competing. And so these teams, they go down this super G, super fast downhill, and the first team member down has it rough, right? You can imagine. I mean, the turns, the downhill, if, the fat, if it's fast, where it's slow, where it's rough, you know. But when they get to the bottom... They can radio up or call up to their team members on top of the mountain and they can say, watch out for turn two, right? It gets dicey on the downhill slope, you know, hey, it slows up here. They, they can give them information about how the course is. That's, what, that's why we have the Old Testament. 
Paul says, these stories have been written for your admonition, your instruction, so that you might remain faithful and not give up. Like these stories of Abraham and Sarah and all the others are purpose. They're not just, they're not just to have images for flannel graphs so we can have something to talk about in Sunday school. These are essential for your faith. This is how you stay faithful, by knowing their stories. Because they're on the bottom of the hill and they're saying, hey, watch out for turn two. It's really rough when you lose a spouse. Lean into God. Hey, here comes turn five and, it, and it's going to be really dicey right there. You're going to wonder if you're going to stay up. You keep pushing through. God's got this. Do you see what I'm saying? Like That's what the faith stories do for us. And so, we know there are people who have finished the race, Hebrews chapter 11, and there are a cloud of witnesses, and we are to think about their stories and focus on Jesus. And they're letting us know what to expect in the path ahead. So don't give up, don't give up. Stories of faith provide perspective to keep us from feeling like a victim. We live in a country that loves to become a victim. Everybody's got a lawsuit. Everybody's got a story. It seems like I was born on the wrong side of the tracks. They did this, so I did that. I'm a victim. You might be a victim, right? Here's some signs of a victim mentality. They blame others for their circumstances. They possess a life-against-me philosophy. They are cynical and pessimistic. They feel powerless. Uh, they love sharing their tragic stories, right? Like, hey, dude, I went out to eat at this place last night. It was really good. Hey, man, my back's killing me, you know. <laughs> I can't make... I mean, like, th there's never a sunny day for them. Th they have a habit of blaming those they love for how they feel. I feel this way because they said that to me, really. You're not in control of who you are. Every, it's all based on, like, them and what others do to you. That's a victim mentality. They constantly put themselves down. We've already talked about that. They refuse to analyze their beliefs and change their behaviors. You know, if you want to move from here to here, you have to, you have to take the information that's given, make a new decision, so you can have a new, uh, a new consequence, a new outcome, right? If you're going to say yes to this, you have to say no to that. Do you want to change? Like, here's what I'm saying. Like, we can be victims and drowned in our sympathy. Or we can receive the courage from Scripture and make a change for a new direction. It's your move. You decide. No one's going to force you. You have to make the call. You have to be responsible. I have to be responsible. We, as a community, need to be responsible for where we're going. And so, it's easy to feel like a victim when things are difficult. In 2001, when my divorce was... I finalized, I stepped out of ministry, I was feeling sorry for myself. Oh, woe is me. Don't you feel sorry for me? You don't right now, I know, right? <laughs> I feel sorry for you because you're sitting here. But no, it's a joke, it's a joke, it's a joke. You have to listen to me. Uh, what I'm saying is, I went to India on this mission trip, and I was just really wondering what, you know, like, what, what's this all about? And then the mission leader there, Ajay Law, had his office full of about 15 different ministers from all parts of India who had gone through immense 
persecution. There was literally a guy with a bandage on his head and the blood was still coming through the cotton. He'd been beaten the previous day. I felt like crawling underneath my chair when I heard their stories of faith. I'll just tell you. I felt, I felt so low. And they were like, we're so glad you're here. You bring us so encouragement. And I was like, inside I'm like screaming, I am so weak compared to you. Like, your faith has inspired me. It was a true turning point for me. I, I began to, to, to move past sympathy and find courage. And so here's what I'm saying. Like, when we hear these stories of people who are faithful, it inspires us. And we're going to keep believing. And we're going to expect God to do amazing things through difficult circumstances. God can do what seems impossible. Amen. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, and it was unable to uh, bear children because she considered him faithful, who had made the promise. God was faithful. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, right, became, uh, came descendants as numerous as stars in the sky and countless as sand on the seashore. There are three world religions that pray in the name of Abraham. Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. There's no name more famous than Abraham. He's more famous than Jesus. Because there are parts of the world that don't even know the name of Jesus yet, but they know the name of Abraham. God keeps His promises. Do not give up. You're going to be tempted. Don't. Now, Abraham and Sarah, they didn't get it right every time. (laughs) There's this one time. Sarah says, God's a pretty slow on his promise. So I think he wants us to come up with our own plan. So Sarah says to her husband, Abraham, hey, I've got this cute looking handmaiden, Hagar. Her parents didn't like her. They named her Hagar. So (laughs) you sleep with her. And Abraham went, okay. knucklehead, right? Bad decision. Caused all kinds of problems. God still brought good out of it, but do you know what God didn't do? He didn't stop working with Abraham and Sarah. Right? He kept moving forward with them. And he even blessed Hagar and his descendants, or her descendants, through through, uh, Ishmael. So anyway, they got impatient. Disobedience came. Consequences followed. But God kept working with them. And so God works with us even when we fail. Did you hear me? You might have failed miserably last night. God has not given up on you. He's still working with you. Work with him. Just stand still and wait for his salvation, right? And so take notice of these great tests of faith came, like for Abraham, his greatest test of faith did not come when he's 40 or when he's 50. It came when he was A hundred years old. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. Now, God never endorses human sacrifice, but there were other religions at that time that did. Abraham didn't know that. Abraham didn't pick up the commentary on Genesis. It didn't exist yet, right? Abraham is playing this out as God tells him what to do. And so he says, Isaac, God... God's going to take us up on the mountain, and you're the sacrifice. And Isaac's like, okay. 
And off they go. And what happens, if you know the story, is that God stays his hand and says to him, don't do anything to him, meaning Isaac, for I know that you are one who fears God. So Abraham passed the test. But what a test. What if God asked you? Grandparents, what if God asked you to sacrifice your grandchild right now? I mean, we know he's not going to do that because God doesn't require human sacrifice. I mean, that card's already been played. But if you're in Abraham's position, I'm telling you. Do you see why thinking about their story and praying about that story becomes so inspirational to your own life to know that, that God is building your faith muscles? As you obey him, as you do what he says, your muscles of faith get stronger and you're able to handle more and you need to get ready. Aren't you glad you came moment? Because the biggest trials that we face in our Christian walk come at the end of our existence, not the beginning. I'm just telling you, you got to get ready. You got to get prepared. Life is full of all kinds of risks and all kinds of unexpected turns. So after my dad died, my mom, she really struggled with being alone. And she kind of wanted to die herself. It's a common thing, right? Most of you could probably understand that, losing your spouse and like, why go on? And so she kind of, you know, kind of thought that way. And she had a stroke. She had a stroke on the beach at Oak, at Oak Island. I remember carrying, we carried her off the beach, right? Put her in the back of a pickup truck, then put her in an ambulance, then got her to the hospital. It was a day, and she went through depression. It was difficult. She had a stroke. She lost all, the, all her movement on her right side, arm, hand, leg, you know, all that. Gone. Still gone. She's right-handed. I, I call my mom every Monday, and, and I remember one, one specific time I, I was talking to her, and I could, I could tell she had been crying. And she was frustrated because she couldn't get her blouse on. Because she has to do it all with one hand. She fell multiple times. She broke her hip twice, broke an arm once. So I call my mom, like I said, every Monday, right? And I said, hey, mom, what you doing? Read my Bible. One time she told me, she said, I've never understood the Bible like I understand it now. She said, hey, I'm praying for you. How was Sunday? And I says, good. Mom, how was Sunday for you? Oh, it was good. You just saw we had new couple come. And, and for a long time, she played the piano with one hand. You know, the, you've been to those churches? You know, <laughs> might have been to my mom's church. She's, she's, she's the piano with one hand. But she's still cranking it out, right? Here's what I'm saying. Like, your trials ahead of you will be greater than the trials you've gone through. Aren't you glad you came? But you will be strong enough to handle it. And that adversity will take you a new level of understanding in the Lord. And, and you will walk without fear. And so, faith gives you the confidence to keep believing and the courage to keep going. It's not faith in life circumstance. It's faith in God's character. Don't put your faith in your spouse's character. They will fail you. Don't you put it in your preacher. I mean, I try to do my best, but I'm a man. I'll fail. I'll miss a call. I'll whatever. You put your faith in God, 
for He's the only constant that exists. And so, our faith in God increases as you know Him. If you don't know who God is, like, well, well how, do I call Him? Is there a red phone somewhere? No. There's a book called the Book of Psalms, and it explains His character, His personality. So you read a psalm, Psalms 1, and you look for characteristics to describe the personality of God, and you write that one word down, like, He's, he's faithful. He's all wisdom. He's, he, he, he's my protector. He's my, he's my defender. And so you start writing and like, oh, now I know who God is. And the more you know him, the deeper your faith increases. And so God is present in all circumstances. Sometimes faith brings that special person to a person who wants to be married. And sometimes that same God is present with a person who never marries and is with them in their moments of loneliness. God is present in both circumstances. Sometimes God is present with a couple who receive a much hoped for pregnancy. This child is coming. They're so, 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 so excited that God answered their prayer. And then sometimes God is with that couple who never has their own children, but they become a mentor for dysfunctional kids or kids that need a foster parent. God is present in both. Sometimes God is present with a person in their deep, dark depression and delivers them from that. And sometimes God is with a person who struggles with that same darkness for their whole life and gives them the strength to endure every day. God is present in both circumstances. Sometimes God is with you when you have that courage to walk into your boss and say, I will not lie to my, to, to my clients. I'm not going to do it. And it gets you a promotion because your integrity is celebrated. Or sometimes that very same decision will land you in the unemployment line. I've seen it happen. God is present in both circumstances. Sometimes God heals a husband of cancer. And everybody celebrates the miraculous healing. And sometimes God is present with the wife as she watches her husband's casket lowered into the ground. God is present in both circumstances. Nothing's changed. God is constant. He's always there. And so God is our foundation of our faith, not our circumstances. They're going to change. They can change in a phone call, in a moment. Now, you received a puzzle piece when you walked in. I'm asking you to carry this puzzle piece one week, at least a week. You can carry it through that whole series. And we're going to attempt to put this puzzle together. But let me explain. When you look at this puzzle piece, you have no idea what the big picture is, do you? It's just one piece of a big picture. And this is all you can see right here, right now. And, and, and so that's the way our life is. Like, like our whole life, we could see, is just one little piece in God's big story, right? Or it might be what you're going through right now. Like it's, it's hard at home right now, or it's hard in your heart right now. It, it, it's hard in their world, and, it, it's effect, and it's really hard right now. And this is all you can see right now. Like you can't get your mind off of it. But I want you to know that God loves each of us, and each of us are a story in his big story. And it doesn't matter if it's, 
your decisions that have brought this into your life or their decisions or or it's just like this is where I was born and this is how it happened. Like God still uses that. He can bring good out of bad. Do you know that? Like he doesn't stop using. And so faith is believing that God can bring purpose even when it seems like there's no purpose. Even when we can't see the big picture and we stay faithful. That That is what we're talking about. Keep believing. And so the challenge is not to give up when you don't know what's going to happen. When you don't know who's holding the other end of the the puzzle, right? Like you don't know what's on the other, how this thing's all going to play out. So if you feel disappointed or dis- disillusioned about life, about marriage, about about what? The job. You keep keep believing. If you're confused and you're wondering how this is going to go, you keep you keep believing. You don't you don't stop. There's this cloud of witnesses. They have A great perspective, we don't. And they're cheering us on. At least their stories are. Whether they have knowledge of this world, I don't know. But their stories are encouraging us. Keep believing, even when it doesn't make sense. Even when you feel like giving up. You just decide that I need courage right now. Don't give me your sympathy. Just tell me to move forward. That's what I need to hear, preacher Tell me that God's got this. I'm telling you, God's got this. Whatever this is, let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity to just uh, present this message today. I certainly don't feel qualified. The least qualified. But Lord, I know that you are more than able to carry us through whatever circumstance we're faced with. You carried all these other folks through terrible things. Lord, help us to keep believing even when it doesn't make sense. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us. You can find us on the web at cornerstonechatham.org.